Hi, welcome to We Excel Weekly. This is our We Excel podcast that encompasses our mission to empower and unite through passion, purpose, and story. Hi, welcome to We Excel Weekly. Today, I'm really excited to welcome the very talented Tamia Ellis, and she is a creator here in the Bay Area. And I'm, I'm really excited to have you here, Mia. Um, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us and uh, tell us more about your story. It's really cool that we're able to give you the We Excel Creator Grant and to also have you as one of our Excellence in Residence candidate. You know, one of the things that I know of you that maybe not a lot of people know, but you're a screenwriter and yeah, I've read your screenplays that you've written in, in high school, and I thought they were brilliant. Are you working on anything right now? I've been writing a horror script surrounding gentrification, and I've been also working on a few more heartfelt stories as well. So I've been getting in touch with my comedy and like romance roots. What are they about? Like, who's the main character? Tell us more about it. One script I like to call Freebent. I thought of it, actually, I thought of of the concept when I was like 17 going through a lot in high school due to the rent raising and all the problems that came with it. And it was about an anonymous serial killer who basically has an agenda that basically until the rent actually goes down and or until there is housing for all in the community, then he will keep, well, okay, I don't know if this is too morbid to say, but he will keep like executing the wealthy or the people who do live in the nicer houses until they actually make a change in the city to start housing the homeless and all the people who will be kicked out soon. I worked on it slightly when I was in high school, but only now have I actually been taking it more seriously and, you know, interviewing the homeless or actually getting to get more perceptions from people like wealthy and poor to like make it more realistic. So how do you go about that, your process of getting those stories from real people? Oh, actually, let's see. When I was about 18 or so, I actually got in the habit of interviewing the homeless because one day I was experiencing not so great things at home. So I just thought, okay, I'm going to take the day out and I'm going to venture out into like Berkeley and see how it's like out there. And I saw this really big tent of people. I gave them like some food and some water. They actually welcomed me in. They told me anything about what I wanted to know about them and their group. And then from then on, you know, once you meet like seven different homeless people, then you can meet like almost everyone in the neighborhood. The next thing you know, for about a year until like the pandemic happened, I was able to meet people of all different like shades, backgrounds, and their whole reasonings for becoming homeless. And you get to learn about the inner politics and like their lifestyles and what really went down. And also on the opposite side of the spectrum, you know, it's the Bay Area. It's next to like some of the wealthiest cities out here, like San Francisco, Atherton, Walnut Creek, like those have some pretty nice people in there. And I've gotten in touch with like families who have just been open about what they think of the housing crisis and the changes. And it can vary from some people thinking, oh, it's better. It's making the city safer. While others are like, oh, no, it should not be like $4,000 for a apartment or a condo that doesn't even have a bedroom or laundry unit inside of it. This is ruining the community. People are being homeless and can't even have their kids living in a safe environment. It's awful. And I felt really strongly that since, you know, when I was 17, like senior year of high school, I almost became homeless because of reasons like that. So it affects me very personally. So I put a lot of heart into the script. 
Wow. And uh, what is your, what, what is it? Is it a feature film? Is it a TV um, series? What do you envision it to be? I was thinking of having it more as a TV show. That way I can go more in depth with the topics. I considered it as a feature film because then maybe like having it over the length of, you know, an hour or so, it could be an easy narrative. But I thought I want to go deeper with it, like as deep as possible. And I just like going in depth with the perspectives that I do have. So how have you seen your voice develop over time with your pursuits? Very good question. I'd say, hmm, let's see, how do I answer that in depth? I'd say when I was much younger, I used to always be online, but also very shy about being who I was. And a lot of what I enjoyed, even when I was like as young as 12 or 15, was escapism work because I thought I don't want to think about my current reality. I want to be somewhere else. So, you know, stories about cheesy stuff like space and stars and adventures in faraway lands. But now as I grow up, I kind of am starting to be in a reality that I enjoy more and have control over, like I get to you know, explore life on my own, being who I am, not hiding a single thing about myself. It feels a lot more honest. And so it kind of inspired me to, on one hand, I like making escapism in my writing. Like I like stories that surround people, kind of like Ferris Bueller's Day Off in a way, or just stories of people getting out of their realm and into a new environment. So then I thought, okay, maybe I could make a story about like a young girl with autism going through a depression spiral and how she's dealing with a lot, but she takes a day to herself to recooperate or, you know, I just could find ways to put little bits of reality into my writing. Like, oh, I can make this character autistic like me. I could make their home life not the greatest. I could make their school life not the greatest. I could put in realistic elements, but still make it an entertaining story. Or even if it's not like a cute story or comedic, I just figured... I'd say now as an artist, I'm more comfortable expressing myself and not hiding behind like a facade or a caricature. And I'm also, even in the fictional works that I write, I tend to want more realistic, detailed characters where it's like, okay, this person has flaws. They're not perfect, but they, at least, you know, people can go, oh, this character did an awful thing, but also go, I see their perspective though. And everyone's flawed and has their differences, but they can still be accepted. I hope that makes sense. I, I know I know a little bit about your story, but if you don't mind, would you tell us what you would like to tell us about, you know, your personal life and how has that, you know, fed into your creative work? So you said that you are on the spectrum and um, maybe we can start with that. Like when you, when did you first heard that you have Asperger's and you're on the spectrum and how did you deal with it in the first place? Um, if was, if there was any sort of dealing with it, how did you, did you, did you adjust your life? Were there any adjustments or was it just something that was part of you? I'd say I first heard about it in seventh grade. And one of my first thoughts was, I don't know what that is. Because no one took the time to really explain it to me what Asperger's is for a long time until maybe, I'd say freshman year of high, no, sophomore year of high school. Before then I was like, okay, so people say I'm different, but they're not telling me how. I'm put in these special classrooms, but I'm not sure why. I'm separated from other kids in class to sit next to kids who confuse me and I'm not sure why. And for a long time, it was just kind of like hating like that I ever got the diagnosis, but also hating it because I didn't know what it was or why I was being singled out for it or, you know, the mockery I faced because, you know, there's a lot of negative stereotypes surrounding it, like the yellow bus, which was disgusting, by the way, 
or, you know, special ed, like there's a million. And in fact, autism is an insult to people like nonstop. So growing up around that was quite toxic. But then once I actually like got a therapist and got put in a special ed class full of people who were like me, like, and not just like lumping me together with them, but people who actually like I could engage with that were, how do I put this? You know, people like me who were confused on what it was, but they still wanted to learn and figure out like, what do we all have in common here? Oh, you hate loud noises. I hate that too. You suck at eye contact and crowds. I suck too. Oh, you're really good at like math and like English and all your grades, but you suck at socializing. Yeah, same here. And, you know, it's just kind of like, it felt kind of comforting. It felt like finding like metaphorically home because then I found a group of people in my special ed class and my teachers who truly did care about me. And I actually started learning in depth that Asperger's was just, you know, saying that I had struggle socializing and with eye contact and I can get sensory overload easily when I'm like confused or frustrated and things like that. And what else should I add? I'd say it was very overwhelming at first because a large portion of my life kind of only being realized once I was like late stage teenager, it very much confused me. But nowadays I feel pretty good about it. It makes me feel nice. And then it's also entertaining because sometimes you do meet people in life who either really need a diagnosis or help and they want to know if they have it as well. Like if anything, we have a lot in common as the average person would if they were having a really bad day or something or were just normal anxiety or something like that. I guess that was also something that helped me when I was meeting homeless people because a lot of them surprisingly sadly are also autistic at least the ones in Berkeley are and it's kind of heartbreaking because then if lots of people don't get the proper help that they need like I did luckily I had help then they can go out into the world and never know why they're not making friends or if they're coming off as rude or disturbing to other people or if they weird other people out because no one ever really takes the time to communicate those things and if you have a disability that stops you from understanding something unless it's directly communicated then you might fuck up a lot and the thing that's always helped me is if someone's like oh to me that could come off as rude or oh you accidentally did this gesture which could make them think that you were angry and you know, just it taught people over time taught me how to like express myself through like jokes or humor or like hand expressions and like be more upfront about what I'm feeling so that neither person gets confused or disturbed or whatnot. And I guess in a nutshell, it took a while for me to accept it, but a big factor to me accepting my own disability was feeling accepted by other people and not just like, you know, seen as like some foreign student. I mean, not foreign as in country porn as an unusual as into other people just seen as like someone everyone always saw me as something that didn't fit into their environment and it always helped me whenever people I met people who just saw oh yeah we accept you as who you are and we can help you through this and that kind of inspired me to help out other artistic people and I it helps me out we've also as you know have a couple of other people on the spectrum who are creators and that we are, you know, working with along with you to really find a way to support your work, right? Because I, I believe in your creative work to me. I think, I think, like I said before, you, you are brilliant and it's all, it's also really cool that you, you, you have the courage to go out there and you speak to the 
homeless people and you are getting their stories and you're making it into something that is um, going to be, you know, that you can turn into something that could reach a, a mass audience. Um, now, the struggles that you've faced as someone who is on the spectrum, but you are also uh, as part of the LGBTQIA uh, plus community. And, and tell us a bit about the struggles around that and how you have incorporated that into your creative work and also just your, your you know, just everyday understanding of who you are in, in, as a creative in this world. You know, when I was younger, people always mocked me for my voice impediment. The way I sound always gets mentioned by people. They think that I'm a British or something a lot. But it, it actually, how do I put this? I have a speech impediment that kind of just affects the way my tongue works. And also, it used to be worse when I was younger. Like, I couldn't say letters like R or L or W. And so I got mocked a lot for that. Like, it sounded embarrassing. So I never spoke up or talked about myself because... You know, no one wants to hear all that. And it was depressing for a while. But once I did, then suddenly people were shocked and they were like, oh, my God, your voice is so amazing and so pretty. And I thought, wow, the whole like years of my life, people told me they fucking hated it. And all of a sudden now people are OK. They love it, I guess. But aside from that, related to the Asperger's, you know, I got mocked for my voice impediment. I got mocked for not making eye contact, for speaking too quietly, for my shyness, for like preferring to be alone, for always reading and being by myself. And it made things terrible because it's like, you know, all I'm doing is existing quietly, trying not to hurt anyone else. Yeah, it took me a while to grow out of what people had like placed upon me for a long time. Once I actually got my own money and could afford to like, you know, get my own clothing or makeup or skincare, then things started turning up and that's when people started changing their perspectives. And I guess that also is depressing because how do I put this? The difference between people accepting me now for my autism and before is that, you know, the diff how do I put this? If it was like, oh, there's that chick who speaks funny with the lisp and she's ugly, haha, then, you know, it's easy to mock her and see her as, oh yeah, we can tell you've got something going on that's wrong with you. And people are really fucked up about that. But then, you know, with me now, then it's like, oh, wow, I would have never guessed you have a disability. That's amazing. Tell me more about it. And I guess they feel more comfortable because in a way I don't, I get why they think that, but it's also kind of depressing. It's like, huh, if I didn't look the way that I did now, would people still be so open to learn about my disability? But, you know, I guess they see it as, oh, she's not too far gone. With them being able to see me as, oh, wow, I thought you were normal. So tell me, what's it like being disabled? Then they're more prone to listen and respect it because they think, oh, okay, there are other disabled people like you who act like you, oh, then I'm more prone to hear about it, which is actually quite, how do I put this, depressing and also ableist in itself, which would, how do I put this? I'll just say it's a really odd mix of incredibly offensive that I can only be accepted as who I am and that I have to be a spokesperson for other people who probably won't be on the level that I am with my level of functionality and whatnot all because I am able to assimilate more. And I find that quite disturbing. But at the same time, I'm grateful that I do have this ability so that whenever I do meet other people who follow me on YouTube or Instagram, the first thing they say is, holy shit, I didn't know that women could have Asperger's or hey, I'm autistic too. And I, your videos really speak to me. I love it. I'm a black woman with autism too. It took me forever to get diagnosed, you know, and people really just like resonate well with that. 
And so I find that kind of beautiful and I'm glad I get to attract a nice community of people like me. And I guess that makes me feel good. And is it okay if I go into the LGBT thing? Yes, absolutely. It was hard. Like, you know, when I was younger, I, you know, I didn't know what that being gay was even a thing because being gay was always seen as the butt of jokes in movies. And, you know, for the longest time I'd have friends as girls and I'd be like, I don't know why I like her so much. She's not very nice to me. She's kind of a dick. But I don't know, something about her. I want to be around her all the time. And of course, when you're young, you don't realize, oh, that's called having a crush. And you can have it on girls as well. And then over time, I started to learn more about like, like, how do I put this? In middle school, that's when people started actually being more in depth about what all these things mean. And then I learned about like, you know, bisexual people, pansexuals, lesbians, gay people, asexual people. And then it was like, oh, cool. This is how it's like for all these people. I wonder if I fit in here. And then I think I finally like came to terms that no, I'm not just like having feeding crushes on random women for nothing. I'm actually like gay myself. And once that actually sunk in, then it made life a whole lot easier, especially because I found out right before high school. So it made it way easier to navigate that because if I imagine things would be much different if I found out much later. It was an odd feeling like having to be closeted in my own place while everyone acted like they were pro-LGBT, but then they, my mom would say she wouldn't want a gay son or this or that, and it was kind of messed up. Plus, I did deal with a lot of homophobic, like, classmates over the course of my life, but in a nutshell, I'd say I'm very grateful that I live in such a good community otherwise and have a great group of friends that all accept me both in real life and online because it makes it so much easier to, because I imagine it's much harder for gay people in majority straight communities versus here where you can be gay and then easily find a bunch of other gay people in the area because we are accepting of it. Or at least where I am, like in some parts of Oakland. And it's nice. You've been an inspiration, actually. I, I love hearing your stories and how you've progressed. I really appreciate your time and I'm excited to have you, you know, join us not just today, but also, you know, as we move forward and help you out on your creative journey, because we believe in you. Yeah, thank you so thank much. Thank you so much, Tamia. Sure thing. Thank you so much. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast, We Excel Weekly. We really appreciate you if you can subscribe. It helps us out a lot. And also share if you like this. My name is Arabella DeLuco. I'm the CEO and founder of WeExcel.org. Please follow us on our social media, Instagram at W-E-X-L-O-R-G. Same on Twitter, same on Facebook. So thank you so much. And go to our website, WEXL.org. Thank you.